ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's up? What's going on? What's good, everybody? That's right. Boston Swords checking in here on January 16, 2023 for the Boston Swords radio show. You know, I'm your host, James Bell, the leader of the Boston Source. And, you know, we want to you know, kind of like get into a few things here that have been going down uh, in the sport of boxing. So, you know, we want to kind of jump on a few things here. I uh, know that we got like a, a number of topics to go over. Um, you know, there was a fight card in Verona, New York uh, that was, you know, um, put up by top rank boxing um, that had, you know, a co-feature bout in a main event uh, there that was on ESPN. There was also a number of fights that were on ESPN Plus that we're going to be going over. And uh, we'll also have some news and notes on uh, reference to the sport of boxing as, uh, you know, we had few things happening, you know, when it comes to uh, Mr. Timothy Bradley and with um, Oscar De La Hoya <laughs> that wants to put up an ultimatum. And uh, I had uh, just received some news in reference to uh, possibly why Oscar De La Hoya was uh, saying the things that he was saying. Uh, but we will kind of go into that in detail here in a little bit. But uh, we want to get right into the event that was at the Turning Stone Resort Casino in Verona, New York. And, you know, that is uh, one particular venue that I have been to one time. Uh, that was during the International Boxing Hall of Fame weekend uh, last year uh, in Verona, New York. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, uh, it's a good little drive from where I'm at and <laughs> from a direct way from where I'm at to Verona, that is a drive that you really don't want to kind of like go through at night. I'm going to say that off rip. You don't want to go through uh, that particular uh, ride at night. It is not a good look at all. Uh, but, uh, you know, there has uh, been, you know, a few things that, you know, a number of events that have taken place there at that particular um, casino uh, or hotel area uh, you know, outside of what they do for the uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame weekend. Um, but, you know, we kind of want to take on or at least uh, cover, you know, what happened there. I know that there are a number of people that, you know, did catch the main event uh, there with F.A. Jogba and Stephen Shaw and that uh, they were kind of, uh, you know, disappointed in that particular event. Uh, Stephen Shaw came in as a replacement opponent for Oscar Rebus. Uh, Oscar Rebus uh, has been a heavyweight contender. Uh, he is still, as if I'm not mistaken, still the uh, 
WBC bridgeweight champion. Um, but, you know, I haven't necessarily seen uh, much uh, going on with that bridgeweight division that the WBC has. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, Effie Jagba, uh, you know, we know that he had that uh, loan loss to Frank Sanchez for Ray uh, in 2021. Um, and he had like one win after that. Um, it was, uh, you know, get back here in the ring. Uh, second uh, fight, I think this is a uh, while under top rank or whatever. Uh, going up against Stephen Shaw. Stephen Shaw came in with an undefeated record of uh, 18 and 0. Uh, and, you know, we tried to see about, you know, kind of like saying, hey, I mean, you know, I had these wins over like Rydell Burkhardt. Uh, Joey DeRisco, you know, the people know about uh, in, in boxing circles um, and a few other fighters. Uh, but uh, and also Johnny Rice, who we, you know, have talked with on multiple occasions. And we're going to talk about Johnny Rice later on. Uh, but here in this particular instance, uh, Stephen Shaw uh, had this bout here against Effie Jagba. And you know, wanted to kind of like get in there and say, "Hey, I'm gonna go in. I'm gonna see if I can take advantage of this opportunity." You know that, hey, I'm, I'm here in place of Oscar Rivas, and who knows if I might get this uh, opportunity once again. You know, whether it's on the top ranked card or some other card to, you know, be on a major platform. This was on ESPN main event, ESPN prime time. Uh, you know, people. You know, we're coming off of watching that uh, thriller event in Jacksonville where the Jacksonville Jaguars came back to beat the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. So that's how why you had a long time that people were waiting uh, for that ESPN telecast to take place. So when these fights finally went down, this is where, you know, a lot of the eyes would be on. Uh, so, you know, Stephen Shaw uh, coming in there. Like I said, undefeated against F.A. Jogba. Jogba is, you know, one of those uh, guys that, you know, kind of like he has seen, has the dimensions of a guy that could potentially do some damage in the heavyweight division. You know, six foot six uh, there, came in uh, weighing in at around 235 pounds at the weigh-in, has an 85-inch reach, one of the longest reaches uh, there in the heavyweight division, you know. Uh, but uh, he, you know, wanted to – Kind of like see if he can make a statement uh, here, be in the main event, you know. And, well, kind of like looked like, hey, he was, you know, going through, you know, a few things as far as like trying to work the jab and and, and things like that. But, you know, it was like 10 rounds where, you know, a number of people kind of like expected a lot uh, from F.A. Jock. But, you know, even with it being Stephen Shaw, a replacement opponent, you want to go ahead and, like make a statement being a main event of a top ranked card. And here he had that opportunity to do that. And well, over the course of 10 rounds, you know, a lot of people just felt like uh, this was just not really much coming out of it, you know, and you had uh, six rounds to four decision victory on all three scorecards for F.A. Jogba, you know, in, in this. And, you know, for a Jogba to hand Stephen Shaw's first professional loss, you know, it was uh, something because he looked like he uh, had the lead 
uh, Stephen Shaw did, you know, through six rounds. But then in those last four, he ended up, you know, losing uh, those. So in, in the thing about it was, it was like, hey, he was up 58-56 in all three scorecards. So it looked like a clean sweep for those last four rounds for FA Jogba. So he, he kind of like, you know, Stephen Shaw had the fight in his hands and looked like he just squandered it away, man. Like, you, I mean, you're undefeated. You got a chance to, you know, be somebody at FA Jogba that could, you know, be trying to get himself back into uh, contender status there in the heavyweight division. And, hey, you had the lead. You were looking like you had the skills to, you know, go over there and, and uh, steal the win from FA Jogba. But in those last four rounds, you really couldn't do it. Um, and, you know, a uh, number of notable people that were watching this fight, like, kind of like, said that, hey, man, this was – this was like a you know real struggle to get through, um, and I know that you know there's a you know few people that work with FL Jogba. Um, I talked with one in uh, Johnny Rice, uh, you know earlier in the week uh, before his fight that he had here against Guido Vianello. Um, I know that uh, there's you know a co um, trainer there or she second uh, Flick. You know I know him from uh, the Washington D.C. area. Uh, you know, he's worked with um, Jared Hurd, uh, among other uh, fighters here in the uh, DMV area, along with Kay Karoma, the head trainer for uh, FIA Jogba. Um, but, you know, from what I've been, you know, seeing or reading, a uh, number of people just don't really see um, FIA Jogba really, like, kind of, like, progressing as a fighter. Maybe, like, you know, working on trying to be more consistent with his jab. Like I said, he has an 85-inch reach um, and that he could be more consistent, uh, more emphatic with the jab, and then try to work from that, you know. And I think that is something that he has to develop uh, here later on in 2023, you know, after getting this win over Stephen Shaw. Uh, like, I don't know where he would be kind of like positioned uh, here at this point. In the heavyweight division, I know that, you know, he kind of like said that, you know, his corner was telling him to, you know, let his hands go and keep throwing punches uh, in, the, in the tail end of the fight. And, you know, he was pretty much doing that, uh, you know, landing uh, 62 uh, punches there after the sixth round in comparison to 37 uh, there for Stephen Shaw. But, yeah, I mean, outside of that, like there was – you know, I don't think people like seeing like either fighter be in some real trouble, you know, out there uh, after, you know, during the fight and that, you know, maybe you can score a knockdown. I think that a number of fight fans, you know, when they see fighters in the heavyweight division there, you know, expecting big guys, uh, you know, throwing big punches and landing some big shots. Uh, of course, you know, we had like uh, a frequent guest on the show uh, that has that terminology. Well, what is that thing? Uh, two. Oh man, no. Uh two big men bumping me. I'm not gonna say the other uh terminology that he said. Like, I'm not doing that. Okay, that that's way too out there for me to say on this podcast. That's for something for them to say. But when you have these big men in the in the ring, you expect to see some big punches being thrown, some big punches being landed, and all that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that you want to see if, uh, you know, these, uh, fighters, right. Are, uh, going to be scoring some big knockdowns, but in this particular case, in this main event there with, uh, F.A. Jogba and Stephen Shaw, you didn't necessarily see that. Now, 
Um, you know, one thing I kind of like uh, seen after the fight is that uh, some people are kind of like considering Efe uh, Jagba being a potential opponent for the WBO interim champion, Joe Joyce, the juggernaut. And I'm like, well, if you're going to have the undisputed heavyweight championship fight between Alexander Usyk and Tyson Fury, then Joe Joyce would be looking for an opponent. Um, if he had Jogba, I mean, from a, you know, dimension standpoint, it might look all, all good, you know, has the same height around the same, you know, uh, dimensions as a uh, Joe Joyce, but Joe Joyce just has the intangibles. Um, like I said, Jogba is a very tough opponent for anybody. And I think that he would be one of the guys that I feel like he has the potential to be any heavyweight that's out there right now, including Alexander Usyk. Yeah, I know that he lost Usyk in the uh, World Boxing Series or World Series of Boxing or whatever, but I feel like he has the, the uh, intangibles to defeat someone like Alexander Usyk at this point of his career. And yes, he possibly, probably could beat someone like Tyson Fury too. Uh, but uh, for F.A. Jogba, if he potentially faces Joe Joyce, he's going to have to work on a lot, a lot in order for him to, uh, I say, have, you know, a big shot uh, there to defeat Joe Joyce. And if, if it's up to me, man, I, I might have to talk to, um, you know, Kay Karoma or Flick around this area and say, hey, if that's going to be a potential matchup, then, yo, we got to get him right back in the gym get them working you know that that's the thing that we got to do because uh the, the thing is you gotta have to stay sharp against someone that has those type of uh, dimensions that has defeated all types of fighters uh there so far in his professional career in joe joyce so i mean hey if uh if your job that has a fight like that coming up next then yeah we, we gotta see if he's gonna be able to work work on a little bit more uh, before they put them in that particular position. But outside of that, um, you know, maybe there could be some other fighters out there for FA job in the fight. Um, Jared Anderson is not going to be one of them. Uh, they have worked together on multiple occasions in camps on multiple occasions. Uh, they've been on the cards together in the past too. So, you know what I'm saying? Um, not really looking for that to, uh, come, <laughs> come to fruition. Uh, so, so there's that. Uh, one time for those uh, that are you know joining in uh, here live um, uh, on on YouTube live right now, and like I said, it will be available uh, in podcast form through Anchor.fm that has it distributed through Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and other multiple platforms. So you'll be able to listen to this particular podcast on demand uh, anytime you want. Right? All right. Cool. So. That was the main event. Like I said, um, you really didn't have that much coming out of that one. You know what I'm saying? So uh, there was that. Uh, most of the talk, I think, from the uh, fight card there on ESPN came from the co-feature bout. You had Guido Vianello going up against Johnny Rice. And, you know, in that one, you, you like you said, you had another um, instance where you had a replacement opponent. Johnny Rice came in as a replacement opponent to fight Guido Vianello. Vianello uh, is undefeated, uh, 10 wins, zero losses with one draw. 
Uh, Johnny Rice, uh, of course, uh, had those two wins over Michael Polite Coffee uh, some time back uh, there. And, you know, the last uh, bout that he had was at the beginning of 2022 in that rematch against Mike Coffey, where he scored a unanimous decision win. Um, and at that particular point, he was like at the around the heaviest that he was in his uh, professional career, pretty much like near that, um, going up against Mike like Coffey. But he was still able to score a clear unanimous decision win over Mike Coffey in that uh, bout. And, and then he gets called in one year later against Guido Vianello. And, uh, you know, we did have that conversation with Johnny Rice. Um, when he was in Vegas before he headed out to uh, Verona, New York for this belt. And I uh, had this thing here and, you know, it looked like, you know, it was, wasn't kind of like looking all too hot there, you know, for Johnny Rice. Um, you remember the rounds, he, you know, wasn't doing that much on offense. Uh, he was, you know, moving, moving his head around a lot and things like that. There were some punches that, you know, Guido Vianello was, you know, not landing. Um, and, but still it was the, um, it was still the activity from Guido Vianello that had him, uh, had the lead in, you know, most of these, uh, you know, most of the rounds there, you know, through the uh, five rounds or whatnot. Uh, but then Johnny Rice, you know, was able to, uh, landing big right hand on Guido Vianello uh, that opened up the cut. And that cut was just, you know, really bad there until the end of the sixth round. And that's when the whole craziness started. Or as I say, the Bacchanal started. Uh, when they were pretty much uh, saying, hey, uh, we're going to halt this bout. The cut was is too much. You know, for Guido Vianello to continue, and we're going to go to the scorecards. And Johnny Rice was like, what? Going to the scorecards? What you talking about, man? I hit that MF with a right hand. That's a TKO. Y'all need to go. Y'all need to go on some replay for that. And, you know, uh, you had, you know, Carl ready, you know, up there on the ring, you know, looking at what's going down. You had the referee go in there. Uh, like I said, uh, Benji Estevez Jr. was a referee saying, hey, this is going to go to the scorecards. And I'm like, whoa, nah, don't do that. It's like I said, if it went to the scorecards, it would have been a unanimous decision win for Guido Vianello. Uh, but they, you know, did the right thing. They went to the replay. They saw that it was a clear punch from Johnny Rice on there that caused that cut. And, you know, since it went through that and then he couldn't continue that Johnny Rice got the victory over Guido Vianello and handed Guido his first professional loss. Uh, so shout out to Johnny Rice. So Johnny Rice, you know, um, said that, hey, he was that's he was like kind of like working on that uh, in, in the gym and stuff like that. He has, you know, recently been on the conversation um, on you know, another outlet shout out to Supreme Beast Boxing. Uh, they, you know, were chapping it up with Johnny Rice out here uh, earlier today. And, you know, he said, like, you know, he was in the gym with the likes of, 
you know, um, Effie Jogba, you know, there with like Jared Anderson. He was out there with Joe Joyce. He like mentioned that to me as well, you know, uh, last week. Uh, they was working with those guys. Um, but, you know, he said like even while he was working, he working in the gym, he didn't really have like that much energy at first because he was just so busy doing other things, you know, doing jobs and stuff like that since he had been inactive for a good amount of time. So he's like, yo, I got to, you know, find a way to get get bread. So I got to, you know, get these odd jobs in and do this, you know, at the same time, you know, still be out there in the gym working because you never know when you, when you when you get that call. And that was what happened here. He got that call and, you know, he – Took the opportunity, and when he had that shot, he went ahead and took it and just, you know, made the most of it. And, you know, for him, that that's another win for him. Um, and, you know, he's kind of like on the little free agent type thing and whatnot right now. Um, not sure, you know, what's going to be next for him. He said, like, hopefully uh, that he'll be back in it uh, around April or May. Um, you know, for me, I, I kind of like feel like, Hopefully this is not going to be another situation like when he defeated Mike Coffey the first time where they're like, okay, he got that win over Mike Coffey. He stopped Mike Coffey. But did he really stop Mike Coffey? So they had him have a rematch with Mike Coffey, and so he just went ahead and just beat him again. Now you have this here where he defeats another undefeated fighter, Guido Vianello. And now is I mean, is you know, uh Brad Goodman or you know, Carl Meridian top rank gonna say, hey, um, what are we gonna do here? Are we going to, you know, just say, hey, maybe we could put Johnny Rice in with somebody else? Or are we gonna just say, hey, you know, um let's see if he has something there uh, against Guido Vianello um uh and have him in a rematch. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, shout out to Undercard Boxing on the live chat. Uh, yeah, we have the Showbox New Generation coming up on January 20th in Pennsylvania. Uh, I know that there's going to be a number of fighters uh, from Pennsylvania that will be on that card, uh, including uh, Atif Overton, uh, or as um, you know, some people call him uh, there in the Pennsylvania Avon, uh, area, Pretty Boy Calvo. Uh, he'll be on there against Artem Rusov uh, there in that uh, card. I think that uh, they're going to have also Sean Hemphill against David Stevens in that one as well. So uh, there'll probably be about three or four fights that'll be on that card. Uh, that'll be something for people to watch they're on Showtime, but back on the thing there with Johnny Rice, like I said, Johnny Rice, there, my, I mean, he's my guy. He's, you know, been one of the uh, fighters that, you know, has not had that many issues as far as like, you know, getting at us uh, for like interviews or talking and chopping it up. Uh, so, I mean, if y'all ain't following Johnny Rice, forever Johnny Rice on Instagram, y'all can go ahead and uh, follow him on that. Um, you know, he's just, you know, trying to do his thing. And, you know, if y'all just, you know, keep asking for him to, like, say, hey, you need to see Johnny Rice in the ring. Maybe he could, you know, be put in position to, you know, have another fight uh, here real soon, you know, um, and, you know, try to get in there with another fighter uh, there in the heavyweight division. But, you know, like I said before, 
who knows? He might he might have another fight here against Guido Vianello um, as a rematch, just like the thing there with Mike Polite Coffee. They might just do that. Um, then we'll see, you know. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I know that uh, yeah, they might have something in the instance of uh, where uh, other analysts like Teddy Atlas might, you know, talk about the uh, that particular fight here later on down the line. So I guess we'll I guess we'll hear from Teddy Atlas on that um, in, in that instance. But uh, yeah, that that was my thing. You know, like I said, I, I was just you know mainly um, focused on you know what Johnny Rice was doing in that in that fight card um, on ESPN. Uh, you also had you. Know, I think this was right before. Um, you know, the thing there with the ESPN main telecast, you had the thing on ESPN Plus where you had Adam Blue Nose Lopez against Abraham Nova. Um, Abraham Nova was just coming off of his, you know, stop his loss to Robert C. Ramirez uh, in June of last year, uh, going up against uh, Blue Nose and Adam Lopez. Uh, Lopez has been in, you know, a good number of uh, fights that have been, what I would say, like uh, kind of like in some uh, pretty notable cards here and there. You know, uh, you know, I've seen him against uh, Adam Nachoa at Mandalay Bay um, in that Crawford Porter undercard. Uh, he's fought Isaac Dogbay. Uh, he's fought Oscar Valdez. Man, I mean, there's a number of fighters that he's been in there with. Uh, Adam Nachoa, like I said, had that rematch with him. Uh, he's been in there with Stephen Fulton. Like, he's been in there with a number of these guys, man, a number of them. Um, and so, like, that's why, like, a number of people call, like, have heard about uh, Adam Lopez because he, he's been in there with a good number of uh good fighters, you know, over the course of his professional career. Uh, but here going up against uh, Abraham Nova, um, and Nova, Nova looked like he was uh, doing uh, good, you know, at that, you know, in this particular fight. Um, and that I think the power of Abraham Nova was just a major factor in him getting that win over uh, Adam Lopez. Uh, you know, Nova was able to score uh, two knockdowns over the course of this fight one in round five and then another one in round six. And I think that kind of uh, made, you know, Adam Lopez a little bit tentative uh, there in, in that, in this particular bout, you know, I think that he, he had some, he had some good moments, uh, but you know, there was uh, a number of times when, you know, Nova just had some answers that was just way too much uh, there for uh, blue nose, uh, you know, so I, I felt like um, the thing about it was, you know, Abraham Nova just getting getting himself his bearings back here in this bout against uh you know Adam Lopez. I think that that would kind of like you know help him out here, whether it's gonna be uh in that you know featherweight, super featherweight range, you know what I'm saying? Cause you know, in this last bout, he was there at featherweight against Robert Ramirez. Uh, but he's had like a number of fights that have been, you know, around that super featherweight or the uh lightweight division so uh abraham nova getting himself back into a win column with a unanimous decision win uh two scores of 98 to 90 one score of 97 91 uh and, and that was you know a big win there for abraham nova i know that some people kind of like uh 
take akin to that little mascot that he has while he while he comes up to the ring. Hey man, I, I don't know about y'all, but man, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like if I was like somebody that could potentially do that, I don't know if I could do that, man. I don't know if I could be out there like a mascot. I'm telling you, man, them 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 outfits be hot, man. I'm telling you, they, they be hot. So it's like you gotta be in there that whole time. Nah, buddy. That nah, I, I don't know if I can see something like like myself of uh, being in, in in some like a a, a a a mascot outfit for something like that. So shout shout out to those people that be in those outfits because them joints be hot. No matter where you at, they they'll be hot. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, hey, I I get it, I get it. You, you can sell the fight, but you know, I'm telling you, you gonna have to pay me some good a good little percentage. If you go have me out there in, in, in some of them uniforms, in some of them costumes, man, that, that I'm sorry, <laughs> y'all gonna have to, y'all gonna have to come up with some type of payment plan for me if I was gonna do that. But, uh, but shout, shout out to the mascot there, shout out to the person that's doing that. That, that, you know, that kind of like, like you said, it does sell the fight, does sell the fighter, um, and it, you know, gives them, you know, a little bit of added interest in. Um, you know, like I said, with Abraham Nova getting this unanimous decision win, I, I'll be interested to see what happens here next. I know that he, like I said, he went down to the featherweight division uh, fighting Robert C. Ramirez, uh, but he's had the majority of his career above 126 pounds. So, uh, you know, maybe he could, you know, still float around as a contender there in the uh, super featherweight division. You know, I mean, I don't know what, what to make of the super featherweight division at this point since. Shakur Stevenson uh, is moving up to lightweight, so we'll have to see. You know what I mean? Um, so you had that. Uh, you also had um, Brian Norman Jr. Uh, you know, undefeated, uh, went to twenty-three and zero, had a unanimous decision victory over Rodrigo uh, Corey. Uh, Haven Brady Jr. Uh, has been a frequent guest uh, here with the Boxing Source. Uh, he had a unanimous decision win over Ruben Severa. Uh, he's been doing some good work, you know, over in Philadelphia out there, you know, with Coach Bosa Ennis um, and the camp out there. Uh, so shout out to Haven Brady Jr. Also had uh, Bruce Carrington getting unanimous decision when he was supposed to be on that card uh, for that Tiafimo Lopez Sando Martin card, but that uh, fight ended up getting scrapped. So good to see him uh, be able to get back in the ring for that. So you also had uh, him getting a win. Uh, they're in that top ranked card, so that kind of like uh, covered mostly everything that went down uh, there at Verona, New York. And like I said, like I, I'm, I yo, that place there, man. I don't know. Like I could have, I could have been up, up there, but I'm like, man, that drive, ugh, yo, that that that's a drive, man. I'm telling you, that's like right. In, I'm like, that's like right in the middle of New York, and the, there's like nothing out there. Okay, like it's a little bit. You have to go a little bit from Syracuse to get to this point uh, where Verona, New York is. But outside of that, man, there's like absolutely nothing out there. It's like barely any lights. <laughs> there's barely any lights on the interstate, you know, going right by where uh, the Turning Stone Resort is. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, it is a struggle to get out there for sure. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll be back out there for the. Uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame weekend uh, in June. 
Uh, but we'll see. <laughs> but if I do, I'm telling you, it, it's, it, it takes some work to get out there. I, I, I'll just say that. Um, but speaking of the thing there for International Boxing Hall of Fame weekend, um, one of the other topics that I was going to drop is on Mr. Timothy Bradley, who is a 2023 inductee in the International Boxing Hall of Fame. So he will get inducted um, as one of the fighters uh, there in June of 2023. Uh, but he has been in the news uh, for a couple of comments that he has made. Um, in particular, um, there's an interview with him. I think it is, uh, you know, with, um, what is it, Fight Hub or what, whatnot. Hopefully I got that right. Because, you know, there's Fight Hub and there's Fight Hype. And, you know, that there have been people that have kind of like confused me with the boxing voice. And I don't want to confuse those two because I know who's ahead of both of those um, media outlets. Uh, so hopefully I got that right. Okay. Uh, and Timothy Bradley's comments uh, there in that particular interview were, you know, particularly uh, uh, for Gravante Tank Davis and that he said that one, uh, he hopes that uh, he hopes that Tank Davis loses. I'm like, okay, that could be one thing. Um, okay, so then hopefully, so then it looks like uh, just uh, for those that are listening on the recording, uh, Undercard Boxing, shout out to Undercard Boxing. He says that it was Fight Hub that had an interview with uh, Timothy Bradley. Uh, but, you know, Bradley was uh, having his comments about Garbante Tank Davis uh, in reference to this uh, fight with Ryan Garcia in that, um, you know, maybe it potentially, you know, may or may not happen. And that, you know, they're talking about, you know, what Oscar De La Hoya said, which I will talk about here in a bit. Um, but he kind of like said, hey, he would like to see uh, Tank Davis lose. And that he that he hasn't really like challenged himself or when when is he gonna have those big fights or whatever it is or whatnot. And I'm like, well, number one, if you follow what has been going on, like he has now, you know, like I said, the like the dog's out the cage. So he wants all of those guys. He wants the Shakur Stevenson's, he wants the Vasilomachenkos, he wants the Devin Haney's, he wants, you know, all of those challenges there whether it's around that 135 to 140 pound range at this particular point. He wants that Ryan Garcia fight. So that's number one. But number two, to kind of like say, oh, that Timothy Bradley says that Garante is a POS for, you know, what, you know, the whole thing that went down before uh, his fight versus Hector Garcia. It's like, number one, you don't really know. You ain't really talking about, you know, what really happened. And you wanted to put add in hints about or or the little tidbits about what actually happened, and then still wanted to put the blame on Gavante Davis instead of just letting it all play out and having him clear himself out with that. So number one, that kind of like looked like to me like you wanted Tank Davis to be in trouble in that particular capacity 
to where, hey, number one, you wouldn't have had that fight against Hector Luis Garcia. And then number two, that he wouldn't have had a fight with Ryan Garcia. So that, you know, like I said, he he was kind of like, that kind of like sounded like hating to me. But for some people, do they do they feel like surprised about that with Timothy Bradley? You know, with a lot of the comments that he's made in reference to a Mr. Errol Spence Jr., you know, uh, that he he continuously claims that Errol Spence Jr. Uh, is reluctant to fight Terrence Crawford, you know, um, when it's basically been common knowledge that when they were trying to make the fight on two separate occasions, it could have been happening in 2022 and a certain fighter held out in reference to that. And so that's that. And we kind of like went through the details of what was offered to Terrence Crawford on those um, multiple occasions before we even got to where it was supposed to take place in November. So we've kind of, we've gone through a lot of that stuff already. Um, you don't have to go through that again. You know, so there's that. Um, I see what, you know, ESPN is, you know, talking about. And yes, I, 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 I'm going to just say straight up, hey, I'm an independent organization. And yes, I have been to a number of top ranked cards. I've covered a number of top ranked cards. I know the people that, you know, handle the PR for it. But when it comes to the, the commentators that are on ESPN that work through boxing, that's a whole different story. And I don't rock with that. You know, you can have somebody like Tim Bradley. You can have somebody like, um, who is it, uh, Mike Coppinger. And a number of people within boxing know about Mike Coppinger. And this is the same Mike Coppinger that um, uh, Mr. Bob Aram, you know, got on for the whole thing with Devin Haney, where he said, shut the fuck up, you little prick. Yeah, you prick. Get him out of here. But, you know, Mike Coppinger is still able to do what he do, and he's still under the payroll of the USPN. So, I mean, that is what it is. Back to Timothy Bradley. You know, like you said, he had those comments about, you know, Mr. Gavante Davis. And, you know, like I said, he kind of like came off as a hater with that. And and I don't like that, you know. And um, the other thing was, like I said, with, with Errol Spence Jr. talking about, oh, uh, you know, when, when are you going to fight Terrence Crawford? I mean, you, you need to stop doing this with Terrence Crawford. I'm like, first of all. You're a fighter. You don't understand. I'm like, you should, at, at the very least, you should understand the business. That's number one. Number two, if you're a fan of the sport, you want to see if you could have the best fights possible. And you as a fighter, I'm going to be straight up. Tim, Brad, Tim Bradley as a fighter, I'll just say he did what, what needed to be done in order to get those fights that he wanted to get to. Whether it was at 140 pounds or 147 pounds, he was able to do that. To a certain extent, but for some reason, for another fighter that used to be on the top rank, that had a lot to say about top rank, um, he's not held to that same standard. I mean, hey, it is what it is with that, you know. Um, so there's that. Um, on, on the live chat, Undercar Boxing asked the question, uh, why? Bradley 
Timothy Bradley never fought Terrence Allen Crawford? Good question. Um, Timothy Bradley Jr., uh, you know, had been a professional up until that 2016 uh, point. And, uh, you know, he had, what did he have? He had the fights against Manny Pacquiao. He had the Probotnikov fight in 2013. Um, and, you know, Marquez fight. He lost Pacquiao in 2014. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, you know, um, he could have fought in 2015 or something like that. Like, you know, I, it wasn't even like the thing. That was it. It was like no one really, to be honest, no one really kind of, you know, suggested that particular fight. Um, you out there, uh, especially when, you know, Tim, uh, Terrence Crawford was, uh, you know, still campaigning in the super lightweight division in 2016. Like he had, he had only became the undisputed champion uh, at 140 in 2017. So by that time, you know, Timothy Bradley was already retired. You know what I'm saying? So uh, they had, you know, you know, they hadn't really crossed paths and it referenced to that, but, you know, at that particular point, yeah, he, he was only fighting those guys, Marquez's and the Manny Pacquiao's and stuff like that, to where he was kind of like building himself as a fighter that was having those high-profile cash fights and not really, you know, fighting for um, world titles uh, up to that particular point, you know, outside of like having that WBO belt uh, that he, you know, that he won for Manny Pacquiao back in 2012. But after he lost it to Manny Pacquiao two years later, he never fought for it again until what that uh Brandon Rios fight. So and, and he didn't even hold it for that long afterwards. So so there's that. But I mean that that's Timothy Bradley right there for you, you know. So um, like I said, his comments about you know uh Errol Spence Jr. have been you know called into question on multiple occasions, and then this thing here with the outburst of you know, Gravante Davis, that, that wasn't called for. Like, like, I don't, like, I don't understand why, you know, you would have something like that happen um, and, and say that about, about Tank Davis like that, especially when you like, I mean, like, here's my thing, right? You've had multiple other fighters in the past that have done stuff that is much worse or, you know, anything like that. And you don't, you don't say nothing about that. And I know one particular fighter that is a former world champion, former unified world champion that still is fighting that doesn't, you know, have his past transgressions called into question, you know, so there's that. And yes, he has fought under top rank or a top rank card himself. So uh, that's one thing to kind of like uh, bring up in reference to Timothy Bradley, but you know, that, I, I, yeah, I, I think that yeah, Tim Tim has to hold off on that just just to be honest. But but the other thing was, like I said, with Tank Davis, you have um, another guy that has made some uh, uh, outlandish comments, and that is uh, Mr. Oscar De La Hoya of Golden Boy Promotions. Um, now this is the same Oscar De La Hoya that uh, is now you know 
Oh yeah, Max Kellerman too. Of course, of course, Mike Kellerman. Yeah, undercard box. Shout out to undercard boxing. Uh, you know, there with with this one. Bring up Max Kellerman. I, I like I said, he has that Max on boxing where he brings up, you know, uh, uh, you know that that as they say, the prick, um, you know, on there. So, and, and they and they they push out those stories and. When you have an outlet like ESPN that has the reach that they have, so whatever stories they put out, whether it's factual or not, whether it's um, you know has much validity or not, it could be posed as having a lot of validity because of the outreach or the the um, you know the amount of people that they are able to reach with those stories that they put up. So. You know, regardless of whether the stories are valid or not, as long as they put it out there, a lot of people are going to take it for what it is. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, that's something uh, to kind of like go up. But, you know, back with this thing here with um, Mr. Oscar De La Hoya, <laughs> he supposedly put up an ultimatum as far as like <laughs> a, a, a contract uh, for him to receive in reference to the bout between Gervonta Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia. Um now that that first of all that's kind of like ridiculous given that you know we we haven't even been through a full week yet since uh Gervonta Davis defeated Hector Luis Garcia, you know? Um so so there's that. So you you don't you don't necessarily have uh, those things uh, happen or everything or all the details kind of like ironed out. Um a week after a fight takes place. Number one, a venue hasn't been, you know, secured yet. A venue hasn't been secured yet. Uh, you might have the, you know, splits or the financial splits kind of like worked out to a certain extent. Um, but, you know, outside of that, you know, maybe you you could you could do a few things here and there. Now, I've heard reports, um, and this has, you know, just been kind of like uh, released to me about, what is it about an hour ago? Uh, there have been reports in reference to the um, pay-per-view numbers for Gervonta Tank Davis versus Hector Luis Garcia uh, that it was around fifty-eight thousand or so pay-per-view buys from you know like you know direct carrier. Uh, so you know that's like you know ordering through a through a cable company or whatnot. Um, so. You know, for me, some people kind of like will say, "Oh, that's a failure." But number one, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, explain a few things with that. Uh, Fifty-eight thousand pay-per-view buys with a seventy-four ninety-nine per charge. That's four million. That's four million, four point three million dollars, right? So you got to take that four point three million dollars and compare it to what those guys. Uh, Gravante, Tank Davis, and Hector Luis Garcia were paid guarantees. So, so that's the thing. Uh, if you had around a cap of fifty-eight thousand, that that's you know just saying like we could just say that it was just fifty-eight thousand pay-per-view buys, not even counting what was on the app, Showtime app, or Paramount Plus, or anything like that. Let's just do that, and we just you know, multiply that by the $75, 74 That's still $4.34 million uh, pay-per-view revenue, okay? Now, if they had a guarantee of just $1.5 million total for the purse, 
and you got a $4.3 million, you know, pay-per-view revenue, they still got back-end money for that. And not only that, you still had that story about the um, gate being $5 million. You know what I'm saying? So there's that. Big ups to D1 on the live chat, uh, checking in. Shout out to you, D1. Um, like I said, you're going to have about $4.3 million pay-per-view revenue. You're going to have $5 million uh, there at the gate. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and yeah, I think that was around the, like, shout out to Undercar Boxing once again on the live chat. Uh, he says, like, you know, through the reports, it was like Tank got $1.5 million guaranteed and Hector got 500 k guaranteed. Uh, there and that you know you still have to work work with the uh pay-per-view back-end revenues from that so you know they got the guarantee as long as they were able to meet that guarantee of two million dollars if that was the report for two million dollars total for the purse anything after that is a profit so if you're i'm trying to jump in front of this here if you have that report there of 58,000 pay-per-view buys. People are going to say, oh, man, that was a dud. That was a failure. That was this. That was that. They don't know about things when it talks about pay-per-view revenue, what a break-even point is. Okay? So if they made that break-even point and surpassed that, then, yeah, they made money off that. Okay? So they were able to do what they needed to do in order to, you know, get the money in also get pay-per-view back-end money. Then, like I said, you also have the gate receipts of around $5 million at the Capital One Arena for all those people that bought those tickets. So I know that Oscar De La Hoya looks like he was he's trying to get a little bit more money for Ryan Garcia in this case, but, hey, Ryan Garcia is not a pay-per-view draw. He hasn't had a pay-per-view fight. He hasn't really had a... Um, fight where a gate has been that much north of $1 million. You're comparing that to someone that's had multiple $4.5 million gates. So I know that you're trying to get more money off of this, but good luck. This is the same Oscar De La Hoya that was dealing with Canelo Alvarez that had to go to the 11th hour in order to sign the rematch with Gennady Golovkin. So it's like he wants to try to do the same thing that Gennady Golovkin did to Canelo Alvarez when Canelo was on the Golden Boy. That's that's not a good look. I'm sorry, that's not a good look. But you know, like I said, when you have Gravante Tank Davis, even with that, even with just that paper, you you could take that out of the way. Okay, that's just 58k. But the other ones that he's did have been north of 100k pay per view buys that have had revenues, pay-per-view revenues of over $10 million. So that whole thing about, oh, hey, you only made this much from, from this particular pay-per-view. What about the other pay-per-view events that he's done? You got to also take that into account. So I think that a lot of people will try to run with that whole thing with the 58K or whatever it is and just go by the number of 58K when they don't talk about the pay-per-view revenue, how much it is. And then also the amount of pay-per-view buys that have happened in uh, Tank Davis's previous fights. So that's that. And so you got to, you know, take that what it is. And, yeah, as, um, you know, one person has said, there's still more pay-per-view buys than a uh, 
another notable fighter in the welterweight division. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, with that being said, um, you know, that kind of like is mostly what I wanted to talk about in this particular episode of Boston Source Radio Show. You're pretty much like keeping it under an hour. Um, I know that there are some people that, you know, want to or are paying attention to a uh, game uh, in uh, the National Football League uh, that is being featured right now. So pretty much going to, you know, go on that. Um, we'll see if we can have more news and notes over the course of the week. Um, considering doing a midweek report uh, sometime on Wednesday. Uh, so we'll see about that. Um, but I think there's probably one other thing that we could uh, jump into here real quick. Um, and that is that news with uh, Mr. Ivan Redcatch. Um, you know, him can, saying that he will be out of the event against Adrian Broner. Um, that fight that is, you know, planned to be on February 25th. Um, I forgot what the venue is in Atlanta, but uh, I know that it is home of the uh, WNBA team and the uh, Development League team uh, there in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, for me, uh, just, just, just being real, just being straight up, um, you know, given, you know, what the guarantees are kind of like being said in reference to Adrian Broner is, it's not really a good look. Um, if you want to give a fighter like Adrian Broner a high guarantee, you're going to have to have him in a venue that, you know, is uh, either a large venue or something where you say, Hey, we can put it in this venue, but we got to have the tickets at this price because you're not, I'm sorry, you're not going to have um, people that interested in a fight. Like if it was a red catch, Broner versus red catch, I don't know if you would have had that much interest in it. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, it's supposed to be February 25th. Um, you know, we'll get more details on that as it goes. But, you know, like I said, and what I just, you know, want to be as straight up as possible with, with, you know, how things go in this. And a lot of times, you know, people don't, uh, take into account the business of boxing and how, you know, these events are put together, how these events are made and how much money either can be made or, you know, is made in, in these events. So always got to take into that account. Um, and, and there's that. So we'll see how that develops uh, here in the next few weeks or so uh, leading into um, that which is scheduled for February 25th. Uh, with that being said, that is this particular episode of the Boston Source Radio Show. Uh, you could uh, follow the YouTube channel. Uh, we had, you know, multiple interviews that happened over the course of the week, uh, including with Mr. Samson Lukowitz and also with Mr. Dimitri Salida. So uh, y'all be sure to check that out. We'll see if we can have more interviews here over the course of the week as well. And uh, like I said, probably have a midweek report plan uh, also. Uh, so you'll be sure to uh, check that out. But uh, thank everyone that uh, joined in on the live conversation. Uh, like I said, this will be available on demand through uh, whatever podcast uh, application you use to listen to podcasts. And like I say, at the end of every show, the point of boxing is a hit and I can hit, not a sending trade. On that note, folks, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody.